0: Hi, I'm Pamela Pims, host of the Good of the Hive podcast, sharing stories from the road about art activist Matt Willie as he paints 50,000 bees in murals and installations around the world.
1: Tell me a story, Pam.
0: Once upon a time, there was a boy and a bee. ha! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love this
0: story. <laughs> Keep
1: going.
0: <laughs> Matt, I'm so excited to talk to you. I know you're in the UK. Yeah. Hi, Pam. Hi. So I also know you, you've you been in quarantine. So I need to hear, A, where are you in the UK? Why are you there again? And what is it like being in quarantine?
1: Sure. I, um, I am in High Wycombe, Buckinghamshire, for sure. I'm not <laughs> sure how I say it exactly. <laughs> I'm being very careful with my pronunciations, uh, but it's about um, 30 minutes train ride outside London, and I'm at a school called Piper's Corner School. It's a K through 12 all girls day school. It in the past the campus was a boarding school. But in its current incarnation, um, it's just a day school, private day school. And it's really beautiful. And I got brought here by, really, by a young woman named Madeline, who, when she was 16, I guess it was a little, about a year ago, might have been the spring of 2019. I can't remember exactly, but... um, she just emailed me and said, you know, everybody in my class has to do a report on work, like work and work conditions were the topic. And you could choose whatever you wanted. And she was like, all my friends are choosing these really depressing things like factory (laughs) workers at the turn of the century or slavery or these really like intense things. And she's like, I just really wanted to talk to somebody and interview someone who just seems to be really enjoying their work life. And so uh, I got on the phone with her and we just did a phone to interview on FaceTime or whatever, and we really hit it off. And by the end of it, um, I was surprised because I do a lot of these kinds of interviews with students um, and she just was sharp. You know, really, like in the good way, sharp, and I just was impressed by her. And she said at the end of the interview, she's like, "I'm going to bring you to my school," and wow. I was like, "Really?" Said, well, I'm in. Mean, if you're in, Madeline, let's do it. And so uh, I just left it at that. And she did the the footwork. She got her headmaster involved. She got um, she actually gave a speech at an assembly about my work to the school and convinced everybody that it'd be a good idea and then last year last November for my birthday I you know I was looking for somewhere not sunny to go for my birthday because <laughs> <laughs> you know I bake in the sun all day long so I was like you do I really I really want to go someplace cloudy and kind of rainy so and I love London so I, I came just for myself but then I thought you know what if I just sort of surprise them and we have a meeting about this potential project? And that was what solidified it. As soon as me and Madeline met with everybody, they were in.
0: Oh, how cool is that?
1: Yeah. And it was supposed to happen months and months ago, but the pandemic, I really didn't know if I was going to get here uh, at all. And this is Madeline's final year we're going into right now. And I really wanted to do it while she was here and not have it be something later. So um it was a tremendous effort I had to get fingerprinted at the for the fbi like (sighs) last minute before i was leaving new york and i had to drive two hours like the day before i was flying out because we realized it wasn't just getting to the uk it was being at a school in the uk and things are different um And so that happened. And but we got through everything. And I I sailed right through immigration with all the right letters. There's a lot of front end work to do. Um, And
0: I imagine there's front end work even without the pandemic, but with the pandemic.
1: Yeah, with the pandemic with this is my first international mural of my career, really, when I think about it, like i painted a little mural in Haiti one time, and I did a few bees in Rome. Um, no, just there. a few
0: bees in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded so pretentious. Okay. Didn't
1: <laughs> I didn't mean that to sound pretentious. <laughs> that was just that early on in the initial.
0: I'm just jealous. <laughs> I'm just jealous. It's okay.
1: No, we'll digress for one second <laughs> to tell this story, because when I first started, I got this huge round of people from all over the world that were just saying, if you want a free place to stay in France or Milan or, you know, Lake Cuomo was one or in Rome, just come and you paint a few bees and you can stay for free, which is all fine and well. But I still had to fund my life to get there. You know, it wasn't a a it was like a, a helpful vacation. You know, it was a supplemented vacation, not um not uh, an actual project, which is the only reason they say that, because I I was super grateful and excited to paint some bees on a bed and breakfast in Rome. But it was...
0: Well, everyone's going to want that name. And I think we're going to give that bed and breakfast a real plug today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're called the beehive.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So, Wait, that's cute. Yeah, that's the
1: whole thing we have to remember later to talk about bees in Rome. It doesn't have to be on this podcast, but remind me later because it's Fascinating the history of bees in Rome. Have no so, doubt.
0: We will get back to it.
1: So, um, yeah, this is the first international real like project in the way the Good of the Hive works. That, you know, it's a full large-scale mural on campus here. And um, and I'm super excited to be here doing it. It's been a dream of mine forever to um to paint here, so
0: oh well, I know we're going to look forward to the posts that you'll have about it as you get started coming out of these two weeks of quarantine and um, speaking of posts i I hope you don't mind. I want to read one that you just recently posted, and then I would love to talk about it because I just thought you're hitting the nail on the head, you know while you're over there, and I think you might have written this while you're in quarantine. But you have, um, it says, change is a lot like the drawing process. Lots of little pieces come together over time to create something previously unimagined. How many pencils have been worn down to nubs in the creation process throughout history? The good of the hive has never been about a finish line of 50,000 bees. Like drawing, it's about seeing what happens in the process of creating something. It's an exploration The Good of the Hive is always about good questions. It's a vehicle for jumping into the idea of change with beauty and curiosity leading the way. Whether that's bees, food systems, water systems, trees, soil, or social issues, it's always about the hive. It's about activism with the presence and perseverance of a bee coupled with human connection and the imagination of an artist. And then lastly, you say, if we can change the way we look at a bee will change the way we look at each other and the world around us. I mean, need we say more, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I
1: was just thinking about, like, I had a lot of time uh, in quarantine to think. Like, I've been in this really sweet little apartment, and Um, but it's an attic and small, and I've had to stay in here. Like, I've been really adhering to a two-week quarantine. I've been able to go out in the evening um, and sort of jog the perimeter of the space. Um, But mostly I've been here, which lends itself to me, for me, to think about a lot of things. And I was doing a lot of drawing for future murals and this mural and that on the Instagram post I'm actually pencil sketching the cells of the hive that will become the mural here and it just got me thinking about you know this process and being here being in this place like I tell this I don't know that I even tell this story very often but there was my first trip out of the United States aside from a quick trip with my family we drove up to Quebec once but but my first real flight to another country was London when I was 16 or 17 and um, which is funny I was right about Madeline's age and um, and I was just blown away with how different everything was and when it was an art it was with my art class in high school and I remember we were sitting there drawing in Hyde Park and um, I'd literally said out loud, you know, we'd been going to all these museums and seeing all this art, really like blowing my mind. And I sat there as I was drawing or trying to learn how to draw. And I said, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up. Cool. You know I,
0: Yeah. It's funny how it just comes to you like that.
1: Yeah. and <clears throat> And I didn't really... I mean, I just with like with me i'm I kind of have that tenacity and perseverance of a bee, you know, and I just went after it, but it was really on that point where I was really sure I was going to go to art school and give this a go, and that piece of this um, you know it became about seeing things differently. I remember someone teaching me about like negative space on that. Um, trip and I was like wow there's this space in between things that I'm is making me see the thing that I'm looking at differently like the shapes around a tree form the tree as much as the tree does and so like that idea and that that's uh, essential to an artist perceiving the world like you're you're constantly looking and evaluating from a visual design or painting or what does this color do next to this color but it is that that process of changing a a canvas or changing a wall as I'm going along. But with the good of the hive, when I look at what needs to happen is is people need to change, not bees. You know, if the people change, the situation around the bees will change. So, but people are really terrible at looking at each other and saying, do it this way, you do it, because then people bristle. Mm -hmm. You know, but if we're both focused on how together we changed what was going on for the bee like what we did together becomes a new paradigm of ourselves being changed you know so that's the way i look at the good of the hive it's like it's it's almost what's right next to the bee that matters you know i'm i'm i say it all the time i'm painting a symbol on the wall which is us i'm not painting bees bees are out there flying around actually pollinating mine look like bees but they're not you know and so that piece of changing us is what all of the work is about you know and we can't change anyone else we're never going to change anyone else it just doesn't work that way we can inspire people to change themselves
0: right i think and and i'm sorry go ahead
1: no, I'm just saying that's what I think the work is about.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, what I was going to just ask you about, too, is your point about what's around them, what's surrounding us. Mm-hmm. You know, what What else are we dealing with that you have to look a little bit beyond just what you're seeing?
1: Yeah, ev- like everything right now. Um, you know, <clears throat> one of the things, obvi- the obvious would be, stuff that's happening with um the movement to change systemic racism right there's things that don't always look pretty you know but the like looting or any of that kind of stuff that there was some form of something happening but you have to settle in and look at the bigger picture of it what's informing it what's around it and Like we, we so often let our emotions inform us, like the fear comes up, like when a bee comes near and there's, you know, it's going to sting you. So you get afraid rather than get really, really calm and say, Hey, you're right here. What's going on? You know?
0: Right. There's no reason to sting me. Why do I think you will?
1: Right. Exactly. And sometimes I think, you know, I, We all know there's just big misses going on right now. Everything is like this giant puzzle that has been thrown up in the air to be put back together. And it's going to look different than the puzzle we threw up in the air, you know, and
0: absolutely and look different from every perspective that you see it from because we all are standing in a different place looking up or looking at this thing falling and we all see it from a different angle.
1: Yeah. And our relationship to change is everything. Mm -hmm. Because so much of the resistance, so much of um, not wanting to just go, oh, right, we've been an extremely racist country for hundreds of years. Like the thing that doesn't just immediately change that when it's recognized, Mm -hmm. like fully recognized as it now is. Right. Like, that's a fear of change. And it's on an individual level, it's on a cultural level, it's on a political level, all of these things. And so the work really is about becoming more comfortable with change in yourself. Because, you know, everybody knows it at this point, don't we? Change is inevitable.
0: <laughs> this is why, like, <laughs> and yet we fight so it, we fight it. Yeah, yeah. because, for, you know, it's—it's it's, there's comfort. I mean, I don't know why, but the comfort is in the devil you know. Mm -hmm. And the change is the unknown. And the unknown is the scariest of all.
1: Yeah. Until it isn't. Exactly. Like until, like I talk about this all the time with people who are are having some fear around something. I'm like, okay, maybe you're on a roller coaster. Like my heart pounds when I'm getting to the high point of the roller coaster and about to go, but I'm really going to be fine you know you are and it's an adventure and it's a rush and you can like scream in a really great way and be on this ride you know
0: throw your hands up yeah it
1: doesn't (laughs) have to be
0: but there's a surrender you know that you almost have to surrender to it
1: and we all are in the process of that like it's um you know it just is what it is that that piece of it it is like we you know, we have an expression um, in AA that is let go or be dragged, mm. you know, and everything Well, we say this all the time. Everything in alcoholic like, let go of has claw marks in it because <laughs> <like, laughs> you're just like, no, is like the first <laughs> gut answer. And, you know, we're all not not all the world is alcoholics for sure, but we all have a little bit of that you know? Oh, yeah. And because it's when you don't know what's going, especially if there's variables like feeding your children or that kind of thing. I have a life where I don't have any dependents. It's just me. So I can, like in the worst case scenario, I would move into my best friend Michelle's guest room.
0: (laughs) We all have our plan B, C. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Right, just in case. So... I feel like it it does become a little bit easier for me to take a risk in that way, but it doesn't mean that all of the change that's applying to my life isn't going to apply to everyone else's, whether they've got six children or not, you know? And Mm -hmm. so how we deal with that is up to us.
0: Well, also every, everything's relative, you know, I mean, we all have a different path we're on and, and right now for you, um, and we've talked a little bit about it, you know, you're you're trying to balance that personal with the spiritual and the conservation service elements of your work Mm -hmm. and the risks involved and inherent in sharing about a lot of that.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of um, trepidation around just letting go and sharing everything that's on my mind all the time. And in some ways, this podcast and talking with you and getting to a point of trust with you, uh, even though we're announcing it to whoever wants to listen, <laughs> it it's giving me an ability to just lean into that because, you know... I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm a recovering alcoholic, twenty years. But like the perfectionism was really intense. And that, you know, the definition of perfectionism is the desire to be above criticism. Now, as a public painter who is putting social media posts out there who is like using his life to try and create change, that has like had me, dry heaving over a toilet like <laughs> what i alcohol ever did you know because like it's harrowing you know like you put up this post and you're like who am i to say that shit you know like what who you know but there is something about the unfolding of all of us just getting really authentic right now and then letting the chips fall where they fall mm-hmm. you know and because I think that's the only way we're going to get through all this is really just get crazy honest yeah. with ourselves.
0: And that is that is like a free fall.
1: Yeah, it is. like, And I am, um, you know, I've I have zero shame about being gay at this point about my life as you know, all of that. But I didn't grow up that way. You know, that was something I had to let go of. And then. Putting that out there into the world is another level of vulnerability for me, you know, and it's really through the conversations with the younger people that I've gotten super comfortable with it because I just I have mirrored back to me from like 25 year old straight guys that it's no big deal. But when I was 25 or 18 or whatever, before I came out or whatever, it was not okay. And people were dying of, of you know AIDS in those days. And so all this stuff, the fear was put there in those days. And so in a lot of ways right now, there's um, like, I think part of that collective change we're looking to make is all of us Putting our cards on the table and saying, "Okay, this is my stuff," you know, and and then accepting people with their stuff, whatever it is, you know. Um,
0: I I was going to say I though though I am jumping in here. I want to tell you I don't want to jump in. I just want you to keep going. Yeah, I, I want you to keep going with what you're talking about because no, this is this is the heart um, of of the fear and getting over the fear and change. And I'm just so, um, I'm really, gosh, Matt, you know, I didn't know where we're going to go on this podcast. I'm really touched. Is that okay to say that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) By by your, um, you know, God, you're such a badass. I mean, (laughs) you really are. And your vulnerability is, um, it's really really brave to me. All right, so that's all I'm going to say. And I hope I didn't stop you with that.
1: No, I think, I mean, where I can bring it back to, um, like our, the art activism element and mm-hmm. the, the personal journey, I think is where we're sort of on with this. Like the things that would slow me down in the past, it's like, okay, so the good of the hive is, um, is supposed to be like when it's functioning at its best, it's like a bee, right? So it's, it's connected to. It has the capability of being connected everywhere because a bee is in basically every place that humans are. So I, as the <clears throat> ambassador of that and the person painting the murals everywhere, for me, um showing up in those places and needing to be accepted um, was a big part of this. So I would like not share completely, like I would think, okay, I'm gonna tell people I'm a recovering alcoholic, which I'm super proud of, and it's it's one of the biggest parts of my life ever on a daily basis, even today, 20 years later. But I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to paint a mural at an elementary school, and if the teachers all know that, are they gonna be worried about this guy who has a drug problem, you know what I mean? Or how is that going to be? So I would just generally in the past, try and just not talk about that and we'll talk about bees and we'll talk about pollination and we'll talk about the art and that's extremely important too but as i've as i've tried to unfold this and bring as many people as possible into connection with this I've recognized that the human stories are the ones that bring people into connection. And people like you kept asking me to like talk about my journey with this. Talk about me. Mm -hmm. Why are the bees, why do I feel this passionate about bees? Because that seems to be even more connective with people in terms of helping bees than actually talking about the data or what's going on with bees or even painting one really pretty up on the wall.
0: Because all the bees are in the hive and all the bees are unique, just like we are.
1: Yeah, they are us. Right. You know, like it's, we're not separate from any of these things. We're not separate from trees. It's all, and it sounds cliche, it's all connected. But, you know, there is this element that feels very liberating to just be that, you know, like, and it sounds almost somewhat ridiculous to me because I've been totally out forever you know like it's not it's I was out when I was 19 you know and so it's decades at this point and um and I've been sober for 20 years so it's just integrated in who I am and the way I think and how I see the world but that even that piece of the good of the hive which you know um one of the expressions in AA once you get into into um working the steps is service, you know, like we help other alcoholics stay sober, and that helps us stay sober. And so being of service in generally with people will transcend in some way out into their non bubble of, you know, AA or recovery or whatever that is. And um they'll go into it'll go into some other part and the good of the hive is totally a um extension of that like the reason i connected with that bee i'm recognizing was because i was open to it i was open to seeing something differently at the time and it was all of the work i had done up until meeting that bee Mm -hmm. that was like oh i could sort of walk through this door and think a little differently. Because if I had still been drinking or any of that, I never would have like, had that experience with the bee on the floor, I just wouldn't have or a myriad of other experiences that require presence, or um, truly being in a moment, body, spirit, mind, all of it together.
0: It it also speaks to the fact that nothing happens overnight, that there is you know, work to be done, but if you do the work, you get to new work and you get to the service work or, I mean, I, I, you know, it's, I feel like I'm just babbling here.
1: (laughs) I don't think you're, I don't know. Yeah. We went down a, a direction. We weren't planning on going. That's what our podcast is about, right?
0: So Matt, with that said, let's end this podcast here for now, but continue it on the next one. And by the time this one is up, Listeners can click to next and go directly to it. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining me and Matt for this episode. Remember to follow Matt on his website and other social media at The Good of the Hive.